You're listening to the best of Morning Drive with Dietrich and White, an on-demand audio presentation of redpeachsports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's today's show. Good morning, North Louisiana. What up? How goes it? Aaron and Jake hanging out here in the Caldwell Banker Group One Realty Studio in West Monroe. John Tabor, as always, doing a fabulous job back the Sports Talk 97.7 headquarters in Ruston. And on the Stuart Shelby hotline, joining us for his weekly visit, Gus Cattengill down from uh, ESPN at NOLA. Gus, what's up this morning, bud? Not much, man. How are you? Good. Got a couple things I want to pick your brain about. Let's start with, of course, uh, the announcement expected later in the week. As New Orleans was the only city, it appears, to uh, make a bid or trying to, to land the 2024 Super Bowl. What do we make of this? Nobody wants the Super Bowl anymore? No, it's a different process. It's just different. Uh, we're actually going to have Jay Cicero on today, but he was uh, speaking yesterday. And for uh, a lot of the different reports and stories that came out yesterday, that's it's actually been something that uh, started back in November. The league contacted New Orleans and, and asked them to bid. Uh, Arizona, same thing for them in terms of they were the only single city that was asked to bid for 2023. So I think from what I gathered from a lot of the different reports is this all happened, remember, when they had to move it um, from one city to another because of construction issues or whatever issues that took place. And remember, they had awarded it to Los Angeles, but that stadium wasn't going to be built, so they had to move it. Um, they, they felt it was just easier to, to sort of do it with one city. Now, I, what I find interesting is if you're the only city to be invited maybe part of that bidding process or that fight among cities like it used to be um, takes place earlier. I mean, again, as, as Jay said, it, this was, you know, November. There were contacts to start putting it together to be able to present tomorrow um, on Wednesday at the owner's meeting. So it will be voted on tomorrow. And what's interesting is apparently, in speaking to a lot of the folks from the Greater New Orleans Sports Foundation, the, the, the pressure is a little different. It's not like in before, you know, if you remember, Aaron, it was, what, five, then it got narrowed to three, and then during the owners' meetings, all three cities would present, and then it would be like American Idol, right? They would vote, then it narrowed it down to two, then it would come out and be like, it's down to two, and then they would go vote again, and then the winning city would happen. So it's a little bit different. I'm sure they have their reasons behind it, but, again, in, in speaking to the people that I have, and, you know, again, we're going to have some more on today, it's, it's just... It's different because if you don't bring it home today, it could be really bad. It's a little bit different pressure, right? And what's unique about this bid that's different from all the others, Aaron, is if you remember, I, I probably started with, when, when Nick was on with you, and I know Nick and Sean can tell you for years I've said, hey, I, I want to say the last three, four years, several times during that year I'm like, hey, um, you're going to probably have to start thinking about what you're going to do with the Dome. And mm-hmm. it was because, and it's something that Jay Cicero said yesterday a lot, was it's different that you're not having to compete against a new city with a new stadium. Even Zach Street said that yesterday, and a lot of the players at the uh, Saints Classic, the Hall of Fame Golf Classic, is that the, the, the city has been losing Super Bowls the last several times they've bid because they're going up against cities with brand-new stadiums. And that's sort of not even the understood anymore. I mean, it's it's almost projected, right? You build a new stadium, we'll give you a Super Bowl. I mean, that's kind of what 
you know, you've heard in the past and, and seen in the past. So it's sort of a reward for that community for spending billions. Now, what's different about this one is we, we've been saying, you know, at least I have, of like, look, you've got to start thinking about it because no one in their right mind believes that New Orleans can afford a billion-dollar stadium. I mean, it, it just doesn't happen, right? Potholes, can't pay police. I mean, there's a, there's a list of things that the city doesn't have money for, much less that, and, and taxpayer money to do that. So you're probably going to have to update your facility in either stages or phases like they've done in the past to renovate and bring it to the modern age. But now you're going to have to match what the rest of the league has at the top level for that game, and not even for that game, because it's a question I threw out there, Aaron. If, you know, how important is it to you? Because it's going to cost anywhere between 150 to $500 million. At least that's what the Saints commissioned a group to study different things that they could do, right? And they, and they basically said, give me like three plans, the bronze, the silver, and the gold, uh, essentially. You know, give me something that, what can I do for 150? What can I do for the middle? And for 500 mil, what could I do? You know, give me the most grandest idea. And obviously, I'm sure you've done this as well. We've asked fans what they want. I'm going to say 80 to 90% overwhelmingly is natural light somehow, some way, whether it's either, you know, retractable roof or the light comes in from the top that it opens up to the concourse of having natural light going in. That, that seems to be a lot of, of the areas I've suggested. You know, again, if you had that footprint, that large square rectangle, if you had just just land right now, how would you reimagine it? It probably wouldn't be the way it is right now with those, you know, parking garages on either side. Those are gone for me. That empty lot that's between the arena, that parking lot that used to be the mall by the, you know, the Amtrak station, that's where I build a you know, a 10, 12-story parking garage where the cars can go in there, make it look like Universal or Disney World where you have moss on the outside so it's aesthetically pleasing and it looks green instead of concrete. And then those footprint areas, you can expand. You know, instead of walking outside during that concourse and it gets really confined, I mean, those ramps on the way down, it took, seriously, what, 15 minutes for WrestleMania, you know, which you had a lot of people who get out there. I mean, it it, it was not a fire hazard or an emergency hazard, and that's something that I've been thinking about, too. It's not even just, hey, I'd like to get the poisonous quicker. If you had an emergency and people had to leave that area, you're done. I mean, it's, it's so confined that you can't, and it, you only really have choke points everywhere. So uh, removing those parking garages, you can widen the footprint a lot further. You can extend that concourse and cover it in either glass or plexiglass or something like that that allows the natural light in. It's tinted, so it's cool. You're in air conditioning. If it's raining, that you're fine in there. I would make the entry points on the bottom instead of the top, like you do for the Super Bowl. That'll help flow of, of ease and pedestrian traffic. So there's all kind of things you can do. But as Jay said, you're trying to project what you're going to do on Super Bowl February, Super Bowl 58 in February 2024 when you don't know what the building is going to look like. Kind of interesting. I can tell you spent some time on this. Nice. Well, you know, That's again, we, we've done this for a couple of years. I want to say, really, honestly, since I've gone over to ESPN, I've just done it a lot because you can see it happening. You know, the city's lost. I, I want to say three bids, and it, it's it's because of that. And I've had to explain to people that yes, there is. It's unquestioned, right? It's unquestioned. It's one of the best places to have. I, I, I brought this up Monday after WrestleMania to people. I had people come in from out of town that I met, people from in town I met. 
I parked in my wife's parking lot, which is a block from One Show Square, walked and met him all the way to Lafitte's Pablo, which is the end of the quarter, all, all the way on Esplade. Yeah. It took me 10 minutes, right? Yeah. I just walked straight down Royal. I got there, hooked the left. There it is at the end of Bourbon. Uh, then we walked up Bourbon and had fun. Went in, in and out of bars, watched adult people have wrestling matches on the concrete. <laughs> then we made our way down the, you know, St. Charles Avenue, hooked a right on Porgers, walked to the arena, and I wasn't dying. My feet didn't hurt. My legs didn't hurt. I wasn't a sweaty mess. My point is you can literally walk the entire area, and you don't need a vehicle. And, and you're there. You're there in, you know, 15 minutes. It, it wasn't an eternity, and that's why it's such a great place to have huge events. That said, you cannot honestly go to these newer venues and say, it's right on par. You, you just can't. If you're a Saints fan and you went to the Falcons game last year, you can't say it. Mercedes-Benz Stadium is gorgeous. Yes, it looks like the sphincter and it's the home of the Falcons, but the, the roof doesn't work and it's over a billion dollars, but it's gorgeous. It's just the room, the lighting and everything, Minnesota where the Super Bowl was at. I mean, you, you can't compare the facilities. You just cannot. So if you want national championship games, if you want Super Bowls, if you want – you know, Final Fours, WrestleManias, things like that, you have to update the facility. It's, 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 it works. It works. But I'm talking to gutting, you know, to, to redo everything the way it is, bring it into the modern age. And if you've ever sat in a suite in a dome, you're recessed, right? There's a roof in front of you. If I'm paying that kind of jack, I want to be out. I want to be able to see. I want to be able to see the, from the roof. To the bottom and not be encumbered. I want some of the newer amenities. And we're talking about elevator access. We're talking about electrical. We're talking about fiber optics and, you know, being able to be able to place new TVs and all kinds of technologies. You're going to need a new structure of some sort. Now, you can use the existing shell, but that, that's why you're seeing anywhere between 500 mil to 150. And in today's money, I mean, think about it, right? The, what was the Ram Stadium is now 2 billion and some of these. So you're still coming up short of what you possibly could do from a new structure. But um, like I said, it's, it's, it's something that they have to do, and the Saints commissioned it last year, November, and they're supposed to have different reports. I want to say about a month ago they hired a firm, and I, I want to say something that was ridiculous, almost $400,000, to do a digital scan of the dome in the area. So it's basically an X-ray uh, from top to bottom of the building, you know, what renovations have done, they haven't, where are all the pipes, where's the drainage, things from the 70s, things from the updates, just everything. They're getting a digital x-ray from Poydras to the arena, what's underneath it, what's on top of it, what's been done to add it, and where you can go from it from that situation. So it's moving along, and for them to do that, that tells me one main thing. They're absolutely doing structural um changes to the facility they're not just you know changing the look of the concourse and the flooring and renovating the bathrooms to me when you do a, a scan like that again i'm not an architect i could be like george costanza and play one on a radio but it, it tells me you're probably going to change the structure so you want to find out weight load bearings all those different things saints held a uh, golf tournament yesterday i went through a number of the interviews not a lot of newsworthy things coming out of it besides the fact that sean payton was on the driving range and uh, giving a little bit of a golf clinic to some of his running backs. But Elvin Gentry was there also, and, of course, the pesky press asking him questions about Cousins. Did you think he said anything noteworthy in that interview? 
No, not at all. We had fun with it when uh, you know I read the quote on the air, and I was like, aha, news, breaking news. You know, he wants them back. <laughs> so, Aaron, think of this, and I want you to pay attention to this from from here on out. And obviously, with what you do, you 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 read in between the lines, right? Or you read a lot of times it's not said. Of course, general manager and head coach are going to say we want him back. Uh, every, who doesn't want him back? You want twenty six and thirteen back, or twenty three and thirteen, whatever it is, right? Double double. You want that back. Is there doubt, or or you know he's going to be that player? Um, here's what you haven't heard, and what I haven't heard, and again I could be wrong, but I threw it out there yesterday. Only one person on Twitter said that Dempse was um, said something back after the injury, said they hope he comes back. But have you heard recently anywhere near, uh, you know, something along the lines of, hey, we have every confidence that Boogie's going to be back to the way he was. Or, hey, look, we want him back, and, you know, we believe he'll be back. We love the progress. Like, they haven't even commented on the progress. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, that's a good – because they asked – point blank asked him about his rehab and if he thinks he can come back at 100%. And Gentry paused and literally for – it felt like five to eight seconds trying to think of a good response to that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly, because there's doubt. There's not only doubt, but it, it's absolutely a negotiation point. And I don't mean in terms of trying to, to, you know, to mess them over, but it's a negotiation point. I mean, that's, isn't that what your listeners and isn't that what you're coming up with? Hey, I, I'm in. Come back. I, I asked it on, on our Twitter club question last week. Do you absolutely bring back Boogie at all costs? Do you bring him back at the right cost? And to me, it's the right cost. It just makes sense, right? I mean, I can't give you five years when I don't know what you're going to be. I just mm-hmm. this isn't shoulder, this isn't ankle, this isn't an ACL, you know, MCL tear where the Saints just signed Cameron Meredith who tore two tendons in his knee, right? I mean, two ligaments rather. The the ACL and I want to say it's, it's, it's an MCL too. He had two, and they signed him to a new contract. He hasn't stepped on the field yet since rehabbing, but it there's history there's medical you know background to understand people come back from those injuries people come back just as strong if not stronger very rarely do you have a player that comes back from those injuries and they re-injure it that way there is history of people trying to come back from achilles and it's not good you know i mean kobe one of the most athletic people we've seen play in the game was not the same yet adjust his game now He's different. He relied on quickness, jump shooting, dunking. He had to adjust his game. DeMarcus Cousins has never been above the rim. He's never been that. The only thing that I can see that would affect him is running the pace of the court, right? Now, that could be in dropping weight. They could do a lot of different areas. For the most part, his game is, you know, point center, jacking up threes from top of the key or, or trying to do that. So I think it's a bit overblown in terms of whether or not he can be effective. Look, it's going to come down to this. Can he give me 15 or 20 points a game? That's a big difference now. But if he still can be the guy who can give you 20-plus points a game with double-digit rebounds, okay, yeah. Then this team's not arguing yet. The, the belief is can they do that or not. And I've yet to hear the coach or GM say, we want DeMarcus Cousins. We believe that he will be the, the boogie that we've, we've always gotten. And we're going to, you didn't hear that. And it's a complete contrast of all-in at all costs last year at this time, Aaron, when they wanted Drew Holiday. I mean, they, 
they went out of their way to let everybody know Drew Holiday wasn't going anywhere. And in contrast, you heard the season-ending presser. You've heard since. Both guys say, we want him back, but there are things in free agency we can't control. And you can, because you can offer five, and every other team in the NBA can only offer him four years. So there is nothing that free agency can do that you can't, because you could control it. So when you say that, you're telling me you're not offering five, and now it's going to be up to, well, if somebody else bids you higher than that. So I absolutely think in my heart of hearts, they've already told them it's going to be three years. Now, is it three guaranteed fourth-year player option? Is it three years third-year player option, which means there's only two years guaranteed? And all it takes is one team. I'm telling you, Dallas, if not the Lakers, Dallas for sure is going to offer them a four-year deal. And if that happens, the Pels have to decide. Do we offer that four-year guarantee max? And then if that's the case, does DeMarcus see it as a sign of disrespect? You didn't do it in the first place. So, I, like I said, to me, I, could, I, I wouldn't be shocked if you see him be a Mav next year. Great point, Gus. We want to hear more. Where do we need to go later today? It'll be uh, 12 to 3 on ESPN New Orleans. You can check us out. Tune in radio apps absolutely free. And uh, always follow me on Twitter at GCAT underscore 17. Have a great week, bud. Thank you. Thank you, man. Gus Kattengill from ESPN Norris. Good stuff from Gus, man. He really knew his, his stuff about the Superdome. Yeah, man. he's been doing some diagrams. Yeah. Layout of the land over That's there. very good. Um, before we get a break, I want to remind everyone that we're still taking Top 10 Thursday topics. We got one earlier. Do we have any finalists? Or I, I think Top 10 LSU players. Um, I mean, that's what's been suggested multiple times because of Billy Cannon's death. But, um, you know, that's we haven't really got anything outside of that. So if you've got something that you want us to tackle, let us know. 888-993-7762. We're back after this. Lane Burroughs joins us at the bottom of the hour for his weekly visit as the dogs get ready for Rice. We'll be back after this. You think I got a problem? I think you got a problem. I don't understand your logic. Uh, you were all bent out of shape. Well, you're all fired up. You wanted to bet uh, your life savings, of course, on the, the if you could got the over and under at six and a half. I still haven't seen six and a half, the win total for LSU next year. But you said there is a book or two that has that. Yeah. And you wanted to go all in with Orgeron and Ensminger, especially now with Joe Burrow getting the six and a half. For sure. And you basically almost talked your wife into doing it. But now you can't – you're still working on finding that book with your buddy in Vegas. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and Jim didn't have it, so he's going to look at a couple other places today. <laughs> they didn't have any – I mean, any future bets for some reason. But what they do have uh, coming out just uh, recently, and I think uh, one book came out with it uh, yesterday, it's never too early to look ahead to college football in the first week of yes. the season and already some lines. Yes. Now we're speaking my language. Yes. Um, yeah, so if you look at it, um, and you just said, you, you upset me. You just said that, where are the good games at? Yeah. There aren't that many. Are you blind? Well, I was looking at the top of the list, and they get a little bit more attractive. Okay, hold on. They get a little bit more attractive as you go down through the weekend. Ta- all right, time out. It's August 25th at the top. If you're talking about that week, no. <laughs> yeah. you know, that's usually the week they just put, you know. They Wyoming, just, New Mexico State, Colorado yeah. State versus that's Hawaii. That's technically not the first yeah, okay. week, though. That's like, uh, you know how they call the, the first round of the NCAA March Madness? Yes. Yeah. Well, I was looking at August 30th on that Thursday. Central Florida, UConn, Purdue, Northwestern, Minnesota, New Mexico State, Wake Forest, Tulane. 
Yeah. So if you look go further, I was looking at Friday, August thirty first, <laughs> more duds. Yeah. But then now get to September first. Okay. Please. Yes. Now we can talk. Actually, I don't want to skip uh, August thirty first, the Florida Atlantic Oklahoma game. <laughs> You and Kiffin. My man. buddy Lane yeah. is uh, suiting up. Actually, Oklahoma's favored by 21. That's an interesting. Did you make that argument yet to your wife about naming your, uh, if you have a boy, Lane? Lane Kiffin Martin. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it was shot down. Okay. We tried. So Did you make a firm ar- argument about of it? Of course. Oh, in everything yeah. I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, LeBron? <laughs> LeBron? No, I didn't. I didn't make that one. <laughs> Uh, so if you go further down, if you stop sidetracking me, all right, you get to noon. All right, noon kickoff. Yeah. Texas, Maryland. There's a lot of intrigue there. Not a lot, but there's some <laughs> intrigue there for a noon game. Uh, and then you go further down, of course, you got Louisiana Tech, South Alabama. How about the dogs uh, on the road uh, against South Alabama? They are a 10-point favorite. 10-point favorite, exactly. Keep going down. You get a BYU-Arizona matchup. That's Okay. Uh, you keep going down Cincinnati, UCLA. Yeah, okay. <laughs> then you start to get to the good stuff. Yeah. Washington, Auburn. Yeah. That's a huge one, and that's a 3:30 game. Auburn's favored by three and a half in that one. Um, and then you keep going down. You get you know, Ole Miss, Texas Tech. That's okay. West Virginia, Tennessee. It's very intriguing. Uh, West Virginia's favored by nine points in that one. And then you start to get to the to the really good stuff with Michigan Notre Dame, Michigan favored by one point. A lot of people believe that this is the year Michigan gets back to national title contention. I'm one of those believers. I never really know what to think about Notre Dame. You always feel like they're overhyped, and then somehow toward the end of the season they're somewhat in the conversation. Uh, and then you get to Louisville, Alabama. Now I wanted to get to this one because Alabama favored by 27 points and you think about that and you go man that's ridiculous and then you think back to all the season openers with Bamba and this is usually how they go I mean think back to the USC game was that last year or two years ago um I believe that was last year where they just absolutely throttled USC was that two years ago I'm trying who they have I thought it was two years ago and then last year they had I thought, I thought, I'll look it up I thought they had USC last year but I might be misremembering Anyway, we all remember that USC beatdown, whether it was last year or two years ago, um, when that was hyped up to be a, a huge – no, it was Florida State. They had Florida yeah. State last year. That's right. So USC was two years ago, and they had Florida State last year. And that was close for, what, a half maybe? And then we all know what happened. Uh, you keep going down. Miami, LSU, that's going to be played on Sunday. And LSU – It's awesome. Is, the whole country will be tuned in. This is going to be the primetime game, the game of the day. Yeah, I, I love, love the first weekend because you get big Saturday games, you get a big Sunday game, and you get a big Monday game. That Sunday game is Miami-LSU. Miami's favorite by three. I need a little bit more to, to put some action on that. Uh, Where's the faith in the Tigers there? I mean, I, I do think they'll win, but I'm not overly confident they'll win. Well, if you're confident you win, you still get three points. I mean, they're a three-point dog right now. I get it. I would love – if it was four, I would jump all over it. Let's just say that. Mm. Um, and then you look at Monday night, you got Virginia Tech, Florida State. That should be, what, a top – maybe a top 15 matchup, top 18 matchup between two teams. So, yeah, lots to look forward to. And Florida State's favorite by five and a half. I might put some action on 
No. Yeah, they're favored by five and a half. Yeah, I like Virginia Tech in that matchup. So there you go. There are some early uh, lines, but you got to figure uh, we're, we're in May. I know. By mid-August, uh, it may change uh, a point or two. I'm sure it will. Yes. And then, of course, Joe Burrow comes in, and we're going to hear reports in the fall how he's tearing up practice. LSU's favors. LSU, they're going to be Maybe like, I should uh, jump on it now. It'll be a, a pick em. <laughs> Yep. 888-993-7762 is the Stuart Shelby hotline slash text line. Let's take a timeout. Coming up after the break, we always look forward to catching up with Louisiana Tech head coach Lane Burroughs. The Bulldogs head coach will join us after the break as his squad gets ready for the Conference USA Tournament. We're back after this. Today's Louisiana Tech report brought to you by Legacy Rehab. They offer physical, occupational, and speech therapy solutions for many of our local health care facilities, whether it's sports medicine, pediatrics, or chronic pain management. Legacy covers it all, serving locations in Ruston, Monroe, Bastard, Farmerville, Bernice, Minden, and South Arkansas. Call 255-5980 for more information. That is Legacy Rehab. We always love catching up with Lane Burroughs, Louisiana Tech's head coach, and he joins us on the Stuart Shelby Hotline. Coach, how are you doing this morning, bud? Doing great. Good morning. Uh, got to practice here in a little bit. Bus will be leaving, so trying to get some coffee down my, my down my throat and get going. All right, Coach, a number of things to touch on, and let's start here. Of course, this is played in a beautiful facility down there. What are your thoughts on these neutral site tournaments instead of having it at a conference, uh, you know, home sites of teams inside the conference? I'd rather be at a neutral site. Uh, I think it needs to be at one spot. And, uh, you know, I coached in SEC for four years, and, you know, the, the, that was the talk all year, got to get to Hoover, got to get to Hoover. And I, I like that. I think it needs to be a, a destination for your team, for uh, for the coaches, and uh, it, it's something to play for. And and uh, I, I don't like the uh, home field advantage that a team gets uh, when, when it's on campus. And uh, I, I, personally, if you're asking me uh, – on 100%, I would rather be at a neutral site. And it, it gives you an opportunity also to play usually in a, in a, in a minor league park that's, that's really nice, and uh, it gives our, it's good for our kids to be able to play in a place like that. It just has a big-time feel to it also. I know you got some wonderful parks inside the conference, but, I mean, that is a gorgeous facility down there. It really is. Great backdrop there with the casinos and hotels, and, and uh, you're down here on the coast, a lot of great restaurants, and, I'm kind of biased. I'm from Mississippi, so uh, I think it's a great location, great place. And uh, again, you know, it's uh, it gives you an opportunity to play in a it's a double A park, and and this is where our guys want to be. They want to play in places like this and, and make some money and do it for a living. And and I think it just uh, it adds to the whole mystique of a conference tournament. And uh, and that's your goal going into the year. Everybody wants to be one of the eight to get in. And um, I think they do a great job down here. We'll see what the future holds. I know there's a lot of talk about moving it, and, and this may be being our last year, but uh, that's way over my head. So we'll see what happens after this season. Tournament gets underway tomorrow. There will be some business involving the conference today with the individual honors, player of the year, things like that being announced. Uh, you look at your team, and I know it's ultimately about the team winning a conference championship, but you want your guys to be recognized individual honors who do you think deserves to be on this list later today well I, you know obviously I'm, I'm biased and, and these, these boys are like my own kids so and I'm with them every day and watch them develop and watch how hard they work and you know not that the other kids don't I know everybody does and and uh, you know I, I just think that a guy like Dalton Skelton I hope he gets some kind of recognition Logan Bailey put up great numbers for us um, you know Parker Bates is another guy that had a great year for us I know there's a a lot of good players in our league. 
Uh, you know, all of our starting pitchers, from Leal to Robbins to Miller, I just think their numbers are, are so good. I hope some kind of recognition comes their way. And, and uh, you know, sure, sure hope Taylor Young and Steele Matter will make the all-freshman team. I, I would be very disappointed if those two young men aren't recognized as two of the top freshmen in our league uh, because they are. And, uh, again, you know, it's we could name everybody, but I, I'd really like to see those guys. They, they've done a great job this year. And, Sure, hope that uh, that they get recognized uh, when all that comes out today. Coach, uh, you may have rolled the dice just a little bit on your pitching staff this past weekend. You wanted to keep the innings down. Your strategy worked. You get the sweep, and also you were able to keep a, a lot of the the numbers down. Uh, you look back, uh, how rewarding was that to kind of see your strategy pay off like it did? Well, I, I just you know it, it feels great that we we were able to get a sweep. Doesn't matter who you're playing; it's hard to sweep anybody and. And, uh, you know, things weren't looking good there on Saturday, but we found a way to get it done. And that was the plan going in. You, you, you hate looking too far ahead. Uh, I know I do. I don't, I don't like looking big picture and too far ahead. I, I like playing for today. And, uh, you know, we did it with uh, Bailey. We had him set for three to four innings and uh, take him out, and they take the lead. And, uh, but our guys battled back and were able to get it done. And now that the series is over, you don't want to talk about it before, but we, we needed to win all three of those games. Let's, let's be honest. And, and, uh, and and tell it like it is. We we, we didn't need to lose the Old Dominion. And our guys were able to fight through it, get it done, and, and now we need to make some noise uh, this week uh, here in Biloxi. Uh, one uh, comment about, of course, that series with Old Dominion, you, you talked about the comeback. How cool was it to see Dalton Skelton come up in that situation and deliver your guys' first walk-off victory of the year? It's amazing that we had had one, but uh, we've been talking about it all year where we had a chance to win in the ninth, and and uh, you couldn't write a better ending, better script. I'm, I'm being dead serious. I mean, Dalton Skelton, I told him that. They changed pitchers. I said, man, this is what it's all about. And I uh, wouldn't rather have anybody at the plate right now than you. He's just been so steady for us and, and so solid at, at, a, at a tough position defensively. But his offensive numbers, he's just continuously gotten better since he's been here. And, and uh, man, to play that position at a high level and really and truly only missed two starts, uh, his entire two years here, and uh, it, it was great to see him uh, come up to the plate. And, and uh, you know, Hunter Wells did a great job tying the game and then getting the second on a booted ball by their center fielder to set up the heroics. And uh, just a good team victory. It was uh, we set it up there at the end, and again hit into another double play. It didn't look good, but our guys hung in there, and, and Hunter got the big hit when he needed it, and Dalton obviously with the walk off. If I would have told you at the beginning of the year you'd be going into the postseason conference tournament with 38 wins, would you have been surprised? Yeah, probably. You know, I, I'm a, I try to shoot everybody straight, and, you know, I'm not going to give everybody the coach speak. But, uh, you know, I knew we had a good club. The thing that concerned me, Aaron, it was just how new everybody was. And, and it, it takes guys a while to adjust to Division One. It, it takes guys a while, especially when you bring in a lot of JUCO guys that – that, uh, you know, they come in with a lot of egos. I play Juco ball. They expect to play, man. They, they come to a program. Those JC guys expect to be in the lineup, and uh, they can't all be. And sometimes that can hurt your club as far as chemistry and, and, and the ability to get along with each other. But uh, that was our number one concern. But in the fall, they showed us uh, these guys like being around each other. They genuinely pull for each other and, and their team guys. And, you know, it took us a while to figure out who we were. And, and I think after going to that Frisco Classic and winning it, we kind of that was a turning point of our year. And, man, you kind of knew, hey, we're on to something here and have a chance to have a good year. I'm sure everywhere you've been over the course of the last uh, two, three weeks, everybody wants to know 
But what do you guys need to do to continue to work on your resume? You look at you guys now with the 38 wins and that, of course, RPI uh, somewhere over 50. What do you have to do in this tournament to make sure that you are an attractive selection for that selection committee? Well, I, you know, I, I just give you the safe answer. We need to win the tournament. How about that? That's, mm-hmm. that's all I know. That's all. If we win, we'll get in. Um, you know, it, look, I, I don't, I don't trust people that I don't know. And when I put the fate of myself and our team in their hands, I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. And uh, you know, there's nothing you can do about it when they get in those rooms and close those doors. I'm not in there. They're not inviting me to the meeting to vote. So. Um, you know, I, I think we've done enough. All we can do is play the schedule we have, and they put people in front of us, and we beat them. And uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what else you can do. And and uh, you know, I, I'm a firm believer. I hate RPI. I'm, I, I'm sick of talking about it. And yeah. you know, I, I just think uh, you should have to beat people. I don't think just by playing people and getting beat, you should be rewarded. That, that's. I think you play. They keep score for a reason, and you should have to win those games. I mean, if that's the case, you just load up your schedule and go play and and not worry about winning. But, uh, you know, that's like I told our guys, I don't know what we got to do. Let's go win it. And then that race is all doubt. And, uh, but the only thing that really matters, Aaron, is tomorrow and, and Rice and what's in front of us, and we'll approach it. You can't look to Sunday because you can't get there if you don't get through tomorrow and Thursday. So uh, the thing that matters in front of us right now is Rice. Just keep winning games. Our guys have done a good job of that all year and, and, um, and uh, take it one game at a time. A few weeks ago, we uh, visited about, of course, uh, Wayne Graham and the contributions he's made to college baseball. And, of course, this being his final year, kind of not getting his contract renewed. And we talked about how this was kind of bad for the game. Well, now it comes full circle, and you've got to run into this squad in the first round. Not exactly an easy matchup because you've got to feel like the Owls are going to go all out in this one. Yeah, I, I think they're, you know, they can go toe-to-toe from a skill set-wise anybody in the country. I think everybody knows that we're, they got really good arms, and we're going to face a good arm tomorrow. And and uh, they got a good club, and, and uh, you know we we swept them at our place. We probably called them at a good time. They probably were struggling, and and we were playing really well at that point. And yeah, I mean you wouldn't be human if uh, I would hope I would hope his players are going to go out and fight for him and want to send him out a winner. And it's our job to make sure that they they don't that doesn't happen tomorrow. And, and uh, you can't get too caught up in that stuff. Uh, he's a legend. Uh, he's he's won a whole bunch of games and and done a lot for our sport. But uh, tomorrow when they say play ball, it's it's you know, our guys need to go out and do everything we can to coach and and to make good decisions and to play and put our guys in position to be successful. And that's really all we can control is uh, what we do at uh, Louisiana Tech tomorrow. All right. Finally, Elaine, uh, have they tipped their hand? Who they'll start? And then on the flip side, have you made a decision? No, they're kind of waiting on us. They've kind of sent out a, a request that they'll let us know if we let them know. And uh, <laughs> I don't think either team has, uh, <laughs> has uh, said who they're going to start yet. So, you know, probably we're, we're leaning toward Leal. Uh, don't All be right. surprised you see him, but we'll probably make that announcement later on today uh, who we're going to start. So a little gamesmanship, I guess. We're just trying to be sure we're, we're doing the right thing. I appreciate the time. As always, Coach, uh, good luck down at the Conference USA tournament this should be fun yeah Aaron thank you guys appreciate you you bet Lane Burroughs head coach at Louisiana Tech he joins us for his weekly visit good stuff there yeah it is it is good stuff I, I'm I can't wait for tomorrow I'm ready to see how they fare in this tournament 1230 else you gets kicked off today get the thing started uh that is slated what 430 430 
But you know how these things go. It's probably probably like six or something. SEC Network. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's take a timeout. Coming up next, the parting shots in the morning drive. Plus, their guard play is so much stronger. They can basically go nine people deep yeah. and not lose anything. You know? No, and the other yeah, the other guys are like starting maybe six man. Right, maybe if, if six that. man. Right, rejected. Don't you bring that weak tot action? You go strong to your mouth, and you don't go at all. <laughs> Coney and Tots. Grab an extra long chili cheese Coney and Tots for the game. It's not just good, it's Sonic good. Now it's for. Uh, Jake, Jake loves those guys. They're great. We, uh, we made the argument early in the show, of course, with Dr. Pepper. Basically, they're saying retiring Larry Culpepper. Uh, he will no longer be on their ads. I think it was a nice run for that guy, that actor. Four years, I believe. I, I never liked him. Well, I've never liked the Sonic guys, man. I think they're annoying. I'll repeat what Brett said earlier. It's different. The Culpepper guy was the same thing. Ice cold, Dr. Pepper. Yeah. Okay, how many times can you say that before it's on your nerves? So you weren't going to do that as a Halloween costume at some point? Uh, At least you'd have a costume. What are the Sonic guys? You can just go in your polo. (laughs) By the way, Russell sent us that. Thank you, Russell. Good job, Russell. Russell was a big fan of that. He said it was the greatest clip ever. For Sonic. He said, funniest Sonic commercial ever. <laughs> Whatever. But, uh, no, they have plenty to choose from. They, they've done some really good stuff over the years. Uh, I was excited when they brought them back. <laughs> what you got for your parting shot? Uh, it's a lot better than that. It is time for our parting shots. I deal in reality, Dietrich. I don't deal in some some hair-highlighted, gaffieri, wannabe fantasy land. That's the most negative statement that I hear from fans and media ever. So I'd really rather not have any more questions about, is it okay to lose this game? It's never okay to lose a game. Congratulations. Um, Congratulations. I lost. You lost? Yes. Oh, I was told that you won. I'm sorry. Uh, Okay, sans français, s'il Uh, I love graduation stories. Uh, Do you? Uh, yes. <laughs> Why don't you? I mean, the hard work, the dedication, and I mean, there's so many great ones. People going back to school after years, and then a lot of times, you know, it involves perhaps a professional athlete, and you're like, well, yeah, right. They're going to go back, and they're going to get that degree. Well, that was the case. You may remember uh, T.J. Ford there at Texas. He was a good guard for him. Uh, Rick Barnes was his coach, was a huge influence on his life. Well, literally 15 years after he leaves the Longhorns, he returns to the campus of Austin to uh, walk and, of course, to get his diploma. And uh, he calls up his old coach and says, hey, I am graduating. I want you to be there. And both of them were there afterwards. They were celebrating the big honor, the big accomplishment. And they did this little improvised press conference just on what it meant to both of them. No, he would tell you it wasn't easy. We had a lot of long talks where he, he started saying, well, can I do it this way? Can I do it that way? And the one thing I told him, I said, you've got to understand something. Your jersey is hanging in that building, and you have got to have a degree from the University of Texas. And he had, we'd argue a little bit, but he always came back around. And uh, I'm proud of him because he is. I told him, I said, you can be, never be associated with any other university but the University of Texas. And I'm just really uh, – Oh, it's cool, man. But I'm I'm so happy for him, and and proud is an understatement. But uh, but he deserves it more than anybody. Rick, would you would you have missed this date? Right? No. When he called me, what about a month and a half ago, and he said, Coach, May 19th, 
I'm walking, and he said, you better be there. And I said, I wouldn't miss it for anything. And uh, I love him. I love him, you know. Father figure for while I was here. And uh, in sports, it's, it's hard to trust anybody, especially coming out of, out of high school. And everything that he had a vision, I, I trust his vision, and I'm living it. Uh, him and my mother and my father, they, they had a vision. Vision I didn't see, I didn't understand, I just trusted them. And I trust everything and every guidance that they have always given me, even to this day. And I depend on them a lot. T.J. Ford returning to the University of Texas to get his degree after he spent uh, around nine or so years in the NBA. He was a, a first-round pick, eighth overall, way back in 2003, there with his uh, former head coach, Rick Barnes. That is good stuff. Mm -hmm. Follow that up, Jake. What you got? Uh, well, I got to wish our man happy birthday, John Tabor. Oh, Tabes, happy birthday. Yeah, happy birthday, Thank Tabes. Um, how old are you, Tabes? 31. That's correct. Yeah. Oh, look at you, Tabes. Um, Calvin says, the Sonic guys are the most annoying guys ever, along with Flo from Geico. Don't compare the Sonic guys to Flo. Come on. I think I like Flo better than That's the Sonic That's disrespectful. Guys. <laughs> Come on. Unbelievable. All right, my part in shot is, you just wish you had that gig. The, it, the who Sonic would guys? want that gig? Yeah, yeah sit around, sit in a car, eat some tots. There was another guy that used to have a pretty good gig for a, a fast food establishment. Who? Well, you know who, Jared. Oh, <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> how dare you? Uh, yeah, well, let's move on from that. <laughs> so ESPN released its World Fame 100, mm -hmm. where they – I like this list where they talk about the, the, the most famous athletes in the world. So you can't think about U.S. here. you got to think about the world, what's popular in the world. So I know you're not a big soccer guy, to put it mildly. Okay. So I want to see if you can guess a couple of these. And, let, and we're excluding soccer. All right, uh, Ronaldo's number one. Okay. All right. Uh -huh. That shouldn't, su shouldn't surprise anyone. Uh, let's exclude all soccer athletes. Can you can you name some that would be in the top ten, top fifteen? You could. I Come was on. horrible at it. Try. I told you I was horrible. You you got a tell few us of who's them. number one. I told you Ronaldo was number one, but then it's LeBron at number two. How mm. could you not say LeBron? Tiger number three? Roy no, McElroy? Messi's three. Four is Neymar, and then five you got Roger Federer. Yeah. Above Tiger at six. That kind of surprised me. Now, this might surprise you. All right. Two more basketball players. It's it's two more basketball players, and Nadal splits them at seven, eight, and nine. Can you guess who those basketball players would Ricky be? Ricky Rubio, no. <laughs> Kevin Durant, and Steph Curry, mm. and then your boy Lefty, yeah. Phil Mickelson's at ten. Uh, Serena's at twelve. I right, hey, uh, real quickly. I want to tell a Serena Williams story. I don't know how Jake failed to mention this because I know he was all in on the royal wedding on Saturday. He got up early to watch it. Did you see the story with Serena, not to steal your thunder here, at the royal wedding, the reception afterwards, the last thing that I would think that they would have at the reception afterwards would be beer pong. 
They were supposedly reportedly playing beer pong, and Serena Williams stole the show, and she dominated it. Does that surprise anyone? That they're playing beer pong yeah, at I mean, the Royal she, Wedding that Reception? She, that she stole the show, that she dominated. <laughs> supposedly, reportedly. That has to be frowned upon by the Queen. You think? <laughs> Probably so, but Serena can do what she wants. Okay, sorry, go ahead. Uh, Djokovic is 13, Floyd Mayweather's 14. Your boy Rory McIlroy is 15, then Jordan Spieth is 16. A lot of golfers, man. Yeah. A lot of golfers on this list. <clears throat> a swimmer, uh, Sun Yang, is 17. Who's the highest rated football player? Hold on. Conor McGregor's 18, and then we've got a lot of others. All right, highest rated football player. You scroll down, you keep scrolling down, you get through a lot of basketball players. Then you get to Tom Brady at 38. All right. Makes so sense. Brady's at 38. And um, Drew Brees is at 47. Mm. Brees is the second football player on this list. Nice. Kind of surprising. Do you think that's a little bit surprising yeah. that he would be the Beckham? Odell Beckham's at 53. You really sold that list there, Jake. Well played. Man. Well, I thought you would play along and guess, <laughs> but uh, oh, I don't want to play your game. So <laughs> that's how this segment turned out. Uh, we want to thank uh, Brett Hudson for joining us this morning. Uh, Lane Burroughs and, of course, Gus Kattengill. Coming up tomorrow. Uh, Dr. Saul Graves will join us, plus Michael Federico. Is, uh, the Warhawks season has come to the end, but we will kind of focus on the future of this program and where they can take it next year. And we're still taking top ten suggestions. I guess we're going to have to end up doing top ten LSU players. Uh, this should be fun later today. Uh, you don't feel too confident with LSU and, of course, Bush making the start later today versus Mississippi State. Why would I be? Mississippi State's on a tear. Mississippi State, I mean, this is really quite a turnaround. It's quite have. a story. It really is. Everyone wrote them off after, you know, losing their head coach, and then they, they looked like they lost their head coach. I mean, they were awful at the beginning. And then, you know, Brett Hudson went through it, the fact that they swept Arkansas. They won three out of four against Ole Miss, and they swept Florida. That's yeah. – who, who else can, can have – talk about weekends like that, can compare weekends – to those three weekends. I mean, that's really impressive. But as an interim coach, and as Brett told us, though, he still has to make an argument to try to keep his job because Mississippi State fans think they deserve a bigger name, a splashier hire for this position. It's going to be hard to say no to him if they continue to win and make a run at this Yeah, look what happened with that Orgeron LSU. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, though, I I am really looking forward to this game because, you know, uh, like I said, Mississippi State's really hot. LSU – I think you can view it as a must-win situation. I still kind of feel like they get in even with a loss, just barely because of their name recognition. But uh, if you win, you, you handle that today. Everybody have a great day. Enjoy your birthday, John Tabor. Don't get too crazy tonight, though. We want to see, see or at least hear from you tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Everybody have a fantastic day. The Edge is coming up next. Thanks for listening to the best of The Morning Drive with Dietrich and White. To listen live every day, tune in at ESPN977.com or subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts.